Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, thrilled to be back along with my good friend and various SAGE Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're going to talk about the economy and COVID-19, recovery or relapse. What do you think, Ed? Uh, oh, sorry, I was d- distracted. I'm watching the, the opening day of the Mets. Sorry. What, what was that question? <laughs> Recovery or relapse? What do you oh, think? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, it's it's real interesting. The, the, no, I have no freaking clue. I'm just going to admit right now, I have no clue. I don't. Either. I have no idea. <laughs> you know, so the whole thing when you know uh, when when do things get back to normal? Well, as Rabbi Lappin pointed out, Hebrew has no word for normal just like it has no word for leadership. Mm-hmm. And what he always says about the Hebrew language is if the word's not in there, then it's not needed. It's not necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this pandemic, is going to subside. We're going to go back to work. Schools are going to reopen, you know, as the economy will probably bounce back with a roar when it's unleashed. Um, I think, I think the homeschooling movement and what's going to happen with the universities reevaluating their value propositions. That's going to be really interesting. But he said, it's the wrong question. When will we return to normal? He says, the right question is, when shall we live our lives to the fullest? That is a great question. And um, I will just harken back to something that I talked about when Howard Hansen was on the show. And that is that men lose their mind in herds, but recover them only one by one. <laughs> yes, I heard that. And I think that that is exactly what is going to happen. I, I think there is a huge herd mentality with, with this, and there's lots of fear, some of it warranted, some of it not so warranted. And it's going to take a long, long time for us to get this. I, I don't know, if you, I, but have you had this experience yet, Ron, with watch, you're watching something on television that was clearly created pre-COVID you're like you're, you guys are too close together <laughs> yeah 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 oh I know I know I look at an air, a full airplane and go what no middle seat empty what's going on <laughs> yeah what's wrong with these people <laughs> yeah. and, and it's and it's gonna and I think the the, the impact on business is going to be really long too I was talking with my sage colleague on the sage advice podcast that I do with uh, Rachel fish she out of Canada and we were talking about this is like getting through you know PPP and they have an acronym for it up there in Canada mm-hmm. it says that's step one of a 27 step process that is going to take into the next decade to fully unravel I, I think it was you that told me isn't it true that there's still not c- cases adjudicated from the 1986 tax cuts oh probably <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> 
so you can only imagine that there are going there's going to be work in certainly the the accounting profession accounting and bookkeeping profession but just across the entirety of the industry with regard to unraveling what happened with all of these programs that were put in place across the globe not not to mention can people fully get back to their actual jobs and and by the way, that I don't mean going to work because we're as we learned from Jody Thompson a long time ago, work is a thing you do, not a place you go. But I still think that there's been a limitation on 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 what's happening. I, I don't think we're going to see potentially conferences return for three to five years the way that they used to be. Yeah, that's that's very possible. I, I, I think there's, there's four things you can say about what's going on. One is I think that um, apparently this strain of COVID that we have here in the U.S. is extremely contagious. Remember, Ed, when we used to talk about, well, when, the, when it starts getting hotter, you know, this mm-hmm. thing will lose some of its momentum. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, these strains in Europe and the U.S. seem to have, you know, the they say they have an S spike in them um, that makes them a roughly 10 times as infectious as the strain that was originally in Asia. And I think the second thing you can say is the death rate for those who catch this virus is, is low. Um, but it still can add up to a significant loss of life, right? I mean, even if you go with the CDC's current estimates of 0.6 to 0.7, mortality and I've seen numbers even lower, but whatever, you know, we've got 252 million Americans over the age of 18. If half of those come down with this at a 0.2% fatality rate, that's still 252,000 deaths. And I think the third thing you can say is, and this is a gamble, a vaccine is coming probably faster than anyone would have predicted. Um, I'm, I'm still, <laughs> I got my fingers crossed, but I'm really skeptical about this, but there seems to be incredible progress. Um, they've, they've completed stage two trials on a few of these, and now they're in stage three, which means a bigger human population is, is uh, one, I think the Oxford's going to be 30,000 people. Um, and they've lined up the manufacturing um, they're, you know, they're, they say they're going to have 300 million doses and one of these, uh, vaccines is going to be given away to Americans. So that's going to be really interesting. But I think like you were saying Ed, I think the fourth assumption we can make about this is this battle's not over and it's certainly going to last till the end of the year and probably for several more years. So the free version, Ron, does that come with or without the Bill Gates microchip? Yeah. <laughs> well, you probably have to watch some ads too, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. You got to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tonsifal, Ron. Tonsifal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no such thing as a free lunch. Got to figure something out. Wow. What you had to say, there's, there's a tremendous amount to unpack there, including – that even your first premise though is is I would respond on Facebook this way perhaps because we still don't know the infected rate I, I don't think that we can actually say with certainty that we haven't seen a decline in the infectious rate during the summer because simply we don't know what the infectious rate would normally be during a summer of COVID 
And there could be people who are, are getting it who are so uh, without symptoms. You know, the, est- the, me- the estimate that I see pretty consistent is 10 times the number of cases that have been tested and diagnosed is what's actually happened. Yep. And I've even seen higher estimates that I've seen six to 24 times sure. more based on zero uh, prevalence. Testing. Correct. Correct. And, and, but those, th- that is the, when I've seen those numbers, those are d- in different areas of the country. So like Indiana yes. might have a much yes. higher thing. So I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to even it out for the entirety of the United States, which really isn't fair for our international audience. But the, the other thing that I'll say is I keep hearing that we are experiencing the, the second wave. I don't think that's true at all. I think this is still wave one. It, 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 what, if you think that it's just this is, this is wave two, you don't understand the property of waves. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, this, you know, the flat and the whole flat in the curve was that we knew going in that it was going to spread out the infections and the deaths. It was just going to spread them out. And yep. that, that, that's what we're seeing, you know, yep. it, 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 I know it feels like we've been in this for like, what, 47 years, yeah. but it's only been how many days, how many months? It, it hasn't been that long for the virus to run the course. No, it hasn't. And, and the, the ways consistently with, with other outbreaks, they, they have to come in at least year cycles. Polio, for example, I was watching a, a video on this. Polio seemed to have 12 to 20 year cycles. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I would, would say that this disease is more closely related to the ones that are annual because COVID after all, uh, or the common cold is another type of COVID virus. Mm. So my guess is, is that this is more cyclical based on an an annual cycle, not some kind of a multi-year situation. But there's, there's still, and I've said this over and over again, and I know you will agree with this statement just because it's almost a truism about everything in life. And that is, we don't know more or, or, or we don't know more about COVID than we think we know, right? There, or, what, or what we do know is insubs- inconsequential compared to what we, what, we, what we should know or what we could know about it. Right. right. Yeah. No, I, we seem to learn stuff every day. And, I, and I, <laughs> that's why I so admire the doctors who are on the front line treating this and trying different things and, you know, whatever to, to be more effective in their, in their treatment. Well, Yes, which is which is another thing, and and I sort of got in into this with some people this week on on, on this. The, the the states in the Northeast the of the United States, the, the Massachusetts, New York, New Jersey, uh, Connecticut, they will they will forever be the top four states. I think for COVID, we will not see any other states break into that top four simply because they were the first states that had to treat it and the mistake they made, many of them made was sending COVID patients to, to, uh, retirement homes. Yeah. Oops. Right. You know, that is, is kindly referred to as a mistake. But the other big thing is, was the intubation, the, the use of, of the intubation to treat this, which seems to be a mistake. I think that what I've heard is that steroid based, breathing apparatus have been far more successful yes. and have far fewer and far less side effects 
than treating it with intubation. And because there was some things that they, they intubated people because of their, their oxygen level in their blood. Yep. yep. Even though they weren't having trouble breathing because they said, well, this can't be. But they, you know, in their defense, they figured yep. that out pretty darn quick. Oh, I, believe me, I'm not, I am not being critical. Uh, no, I, I know. I, I'm just, I, yeah, right. No, I, I, I mean, we've talked about this. I, you know, because some of these patients would walk in with like a 60 oxygen reading, which is mm -hmm. just protocol is just automatically you intubate them because they're crashing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what the doctors were doing. But they learned pretty quick after like a few weeks, probably that, hey, this isn't effective. And they started looking for alternative ways. But yeah, um, I guess a fourth and a half assumption, Ed, just, just this is for the woke crowd. America has gained nearly 30 new billionaires since March. <laughs> <laughs> the top five. Are you to is, that, is that Amazon stockholders? Uh, the top five are thought to be 20% richer call collectively than before COVID. So... That's good news. That's good news. But I, but I get, I'm, I'm willing to bet that part of the, some of them are, are Amazon stockholders or Zoom, or Zoom. That's yeah, true. yeah. <laughs> Could be Zoom. <laughs> well, wow. There's a lot to unpack here. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the schools. I want to talk to you about this whole government program. You know, Operation Warp Speed that that are doing these vaccines and and seem to be making some of this progress that we're talking about. Uh, it's a great collective effort between government researchers and, and pharmaceutical companies. But as usual, Ed, this is flying by. We're up against our first break. And folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to send an email to Ed or me, send it to asktsoe at verisage.com and check out soulofenterprise.com for full show notes. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the economy and COVID and, and this Operation Warp Speed OWS, which is kind of interesting. It's a partnership between the Health and Human Services, the Department of Defense, and an alphabet soup of related agencies, and of course, Big Pharma. And it's got it, it, three, uh, $3 billion of federal cash has been spent on two vaccines so far. AstraZeneca has uh, done an advanced purchase of 300 million doses, the first of which could arrive as early as October, they say. And then they're under contract to um, deliver another 100, mil, 100 million doses. Um, now, it's a really interesting question, who are going to get these doses first, right? The economists mm-hmm. had a big write-up about this and saying, oh, well, you know, they should spread it out to the most vulnerable around the world rather than just giving it to one country like America first. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's going to be a whole other political thing. But But one thing that I'm really confident of, we do have an efficacious vaccine. We're going to get it to everybody in the world really quick, really quick, whether that's foreign aid, whether that's giving it away, whatever people are going to find the money for the, whether it's Gates stepping up, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. we're going to get it out there. I agree. And it's, and government will take the credit, although the private sector will deserve it. (laughs) Right. And and on that note, because there are, there are some, you know, private companies, Moderna, uh, it's also got one in, in trial, but Pfizer has rejected Operation Warp Speed money because they say government just slows them down. Interesting. <laughs> so that's really interesting. Um, if, if, they do, if they do get this out, even by the end of the year, even, heck, even by the first half of next year, it'll be a record speed for a vaccine record oh absolutely isn't 18 months was the the sort of the i mean i like i don't know where get this guinness book of world records yeah this vaccine i i used to think it was 18 months but i i remember looking or reading something and no it's 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 years it's taken years like it took ebola like 12 years or something we have an ebola vaccine problem is that there's not a lot of outbreaks so they're real that's not a problem don ron that's not a problem (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I just, you know, uh, it's just going to be really interesting to see, um, these vaccines, um, you know, the AstraZeneca says making each dose of the vaccine costs about as much as a cup of coffee. Now, I don't know if they mean a cup of coffee at Joe's diner or Starbucks, but you know, (laughs) that's... that's, Or some uh, of that good Australian coffee. That's what I... (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, the Millikan Institute um, is tracking 180 vaccines are in the works. Um, And even, you know, even China's in there doing stuff. Uh, So maybe, maybe we are going to have a vaccine, Ed. Here's, here's my question for you. Will you take it? I mean, if it's FDA approved. Subject... Well, they don't the FDA approval on me is not a, is, is not, not necessarily not, not a plus. Issue. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> not necessarily a plus. Um, nor is CDC approval. I mean, you know, right. great. 
I would I would certainly be doing some research on it. I'm I'm not a I'm not an anti-vax, so I'm not opposed to it in in principle. Uh, I the, the the only thing I would would think to answer your question, yes, I would yes I would take it. I I I would think that other people should be put in a queue ahead of me, or I would want other people in a queue ahead of me. Right. But yes, I would take it. Right. Okay. Well, the the uh, vaccine that that just got through a thousand seventy seven people in stage two trials. This is AstraZeneca and I think Oxford. Um, it it caused an immune response in people aged eighteen to fifty five that lasted for two months or slightly longer. So mm-hmm. it's they seem to be saying that you're probably going to have to take two doses of the vaccine, mm-hmm. and it may turn in depending on the strains how this thing mutates. It may be just like a flu shot every year you know, going forward. And, and, and so I've, I've actually done some investigation on this because I think I thought it was very interesting is, is if, you know, one of the things that COVID is related to the common cold and there's, a, there's this repetitive nature of that, you can get the common cold more than once because you lose your immunity in a very short period of time. Right. How do they extend the life of these vaccines? And apparently there is some agents that get added to vaccines that can and do increase the length of the immune response, which I thought was fascinating to learn mm-hmm. that. I had no idea that that was, that was the case, but I, I do think, well, what will probably happen is, is that this, 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 this specifically COVID here will get rolled back to uh, it were rolled into the, uh, the flu vaccine of the future. Mm-hmm. Yep. It could. And, yeah, I mean, I, I think because I think it's going to be that common. Yeah, it it, it could be. If it, yeah, if it becomes like influenza, I guess it could be. E- yep. Either way, if it, I mean, I'm hoping for like a polio vaccine, you know, one and you're done. But um, even if I I significantly doubt that just that, because yeah. of the nature of where the, sure. the family where this disease comes yep. from. Yep. They, that one of these articles in The Economist from one of these companies did say that, you know, if, if it works out as the way we see it, you might have to do this every two to three years. Get, get, a, get a shot. Get re-upped. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you, you know, you pointed me to an interesting article from the BBC about T-cells. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because I, I read that and I'm just, that was great. It is. It's really interesting that this the, the researchers in the BBC and this the, the author of this is Zaria Gravet from the 19th of July 2020. Uh, first first paragraph: Research suggests that antibodies against COVID-19 could be lost in just three months. A new hope is the enigmatic T cell, and this is that what they fa- they found. Researchers found that somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 percent of the people that they have tested have have these t cells which fight covid so right. here's the here's the pull out paragraph quote uh, most bizarrely of all when researchers tested blood samples taken years before the <laughs> pandemic started they found t t cells which were specifically tailored to detect proteins on the surface of covid-19 this suggests that some people already have a pre-existing degree of resistance against the virus before it ever infected a human and it appears to be surprisingly prevalent. 40 to 60% of unexposed individuals had these cells. You know, it, it reminds me of what Rory Sutherland said 
he says, your immune system's going to do more work on this than all the scientists in the world put together, and it's mm-hmm. going to do it faster. <laughs> well, if 40 to 60% of the people are effectively immune, now, th- 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 and this is where they're using immune in a kind of a funky way. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it could, because you're, you're, you're not, not immune, you still get it, but these T cells detect it and attack it. Right. Right. Immune, immune means never, ne- you can never get it again, period. Right. This, this so, th- th- and what I didn't see in this article is would these people, would this 40 to 60% of these exposed individuals, would they be considered these quote asymptomatic carriers? Right. Right. And because is that, is that, is, is that what's making that, that number so large? Because the article does go on to talk about, you know, as you age, you, you lose these T cells Mm-hmm. And that might be why, you know, the ages are, are much more vulnerable to this. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. it also says, it quotes a doctor towards the end of the article saying, well, it's fair to say the jury's still out. So yeah. In like, other words, we, we like, don't know. We don't know. Like you said, <laughs> I don't know. Opening, you know, what we, what we know compared to what we don't know. No. Yeah. It's <laughs> not even close not even close. But that is, that was a really interesting article. And, and that I know we've only got a couple minutes, but look, I'm, I'm going to go with Isaac Newton's remedy. Now, Isaac Newton was a great mind, right? Calculus, fundamental laws of physics, but he developed a remedy for the bubonic plague. And in 1665, when he was a student at the University of Cambridge's Trinity College, and you know, the bubonic plague lasted until 1666 and killed an estimated mm-hmm. 100,000 people about a quarter of the city's population, Newton quarantined himself in a manor, his family estate, and took two years, and he spent isolated, and he said got some good work done. He did, yeah, he, he invented just, calculus. It, yeah, he did his time. experiments on gravity, you know, the whole, <laughs> the whole apple tree thing, yeah. mm-hmm. breakthrough in mathematics, physics, all this other stuff. But in his notes, which, by the way, just went on auction, on, on auction there's two pages of those previous, previously unpublished scribblings are up for sale in, in, in a June auction. And they date from 1669. And it's his cure for the bubonic plague. So here it is, Ed. The first step in the cure is hanging. I'm not making this up. This is honest to God truth. I know Greg's probably searching for this. You'll find it, Greg. <laughs> The first step is, hang, Newton. is hanging a toad upside down in a chimney for good. Days. Okay, step one, check. I'm writing this down. Okay, good. You'll know your toad is ready when it pukes and dies. Be careful to collect all the vomit. Next, <laughs> grind the toad into a powder and mix it with the vomit until you form several lozenges. Finally, place your toad vomit lozenges about the affected area. Newton stipulated this was his best cure suggesting it drove away the contagion and drew out poison. Um, this is a pair of unpublished handwritten notes up for auction that they estimated will fetch between 80 and 120 grand. Now I'm sure they've already sold and I didn't do the follow-up on this. And Greg, just so you know, I'm not making this up. This is out of smart news, uh, smithsonianmagazine.com, June 5th, 2020 by Alex Fox. So Ed, you know, given all the contradictory crap we've heard about, hydroxychloroquine and you know wear a mask don't wear a mask go out hey i'm giving this a shot <laughs> hey it's isaac newton come on can't be, you know inventor of modern physics how bad could it be so toad vomit who knew 
who knew toad vomit the magic cure for everything gotta love it gotta love it well we should quickly explain as we go to break who greg greg is our social media guru who's out there ferociously tweeting and if you want to connect with us on twitter the place to do that is twitter of course and then go to ask tsoe find us there connect with us we'd love to have you follow the the, the show notes as uh, greg tweets them away but also Please, uh, what we're looking for most is ratings of the podcast. So go to ratethispodcast.com slash TSOE to get your rating in. We love to hear them. We also love to, we all read all of our on-air reviews. Love for you to send them to us as well. But right now, a word from our sponsor. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And back on the soul of enterprise, we are ca- talking COVID-19 and its effect on the economy, which we haven't gotten much to the economy yet, Ron. So maybe we'll, we'll transition to that. But just by way of follow up on your story, on the <laughs> Isaac Newton, uh, which is just absolutely fantastic. But I have got a question for what if my what if my toad doesn't vomit, Ron? What do I do, I yeah. do then? Like, I got to start over. I got to start over again. I got to find a toad that will vomit. All right. But so this, this under the heading of probably the most silly story <laughs> that I have read, this is from Reuters out of, out of South Korea. And the headline is people are more likely to contract COVID-19 at home study finds. <laughs> Just like, um, okay. Right. So the epidemiologists study this and there's finally people are much more likely to contract the new coronavirus from members of their own households than from contacts outside the home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> why do they have to study? Like, this is the way that infectious disease. Yeah, ju- and th- I, this is a, the operative paragraph here. I love this one. The findings showed that just two out of a hundred people 
had caught from the virus from non-household contacts, while one in 10 had contracted the disease from their own family. So, of course, my question is, well, all right, so if two out of 100 caught it from outside and one in 10, which is kind of stupid the way they put it, which is 10 in 100 caught it from their own families, where did the other 88 catch it from? <laughs> you know, licking doorknobs? I mean, I <laughs> Where there's a very odd finding, and you know the whole story about this, and I'm just like, okay, so the and this is in this mix of we well we have to stay home, we have to go. What does the story tell us? Like, okay, don't go out, but if you do go out, stay out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't go back home. Don't go back home. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Rodney Dangerfield's travel agent in Puerto Rico. So he's six six days in Puerto Rico. He said, "What do I do nights?" He says, "I don't know. Just don't be in Puerto Rico." <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i this, this bizarre right isn't that like why do we really need to study this i don't I, you know, in other news care. water is wet i mean yeah I've been thinking, i was talking to a buddy about this who's really up on the, all this stuff too with this covid and and he went to a restaurant in arizona and you know he said we were in the back and we were in a corner booth and he said but you know you, you start thinking as you're sitting there about the AC system because you know it's right. Arizona and it's 150 degrees outside and you know, you've got this AC and they say that's a big spreader even in these buildings and you know other places you put any stock into that what do you what do you think about the whole it comes through the AC or the heating systems oh, I'm sure it does <laughs> I'm sure it does I, look and I know I'm repeating myself here, but the, like this, this whole notion of COVID is extraordinarily related to the common cold. It's ex it, yes, it's extraordinarily easy to transmit it from one person to the next, probably because we've never done extensive research on the common cold, which is one of the the reasons why I think that that this is a this is great evidence as to to what the problem is with the 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 FDA and the approval process of drugs. And, and that is, is that there's so much focus on the, on getting these drugs that are going to, 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 um, to, to save people from all of these dreaded diseases and, and uh, make a lot of money because they obviously have to, a lot of investment to put in to get them through FDA approval. Mm -hmm. That far too little has been done the last 20 years on curing the common cold because people are like, well, why bother? And had, and had, somebody had the financial motivation to do that because it would have been a little bit easier to get those drugs through the approval process, we probably wouldn't be dealing with the COVID crisis right now because we would know far more about this type of disease. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Didn't Mary Ruert point that out in her book? Yes. I, yeah. yeah. Um, right. I do remember that. The uh, um, And this comes Ed, from uh, an interesting podcast. You can find this online. I don't even think it's in your iTunes feed, but it's called COVID and Markets. COVID and Markets. And it's yes, I, yep, I have seen that. Uh -huh. Yeah, you, I'm sure you've heard David Bonson. He's an mm -hmm. you know, investment yep. advisor, but he's an economist. He's written some books. And he's got some really good detailed economic information and, and the whole you know death rate, case rate, positivity rate, all that. He goes through that every day in, in like 16 minutes on his podcast. Mm -hmm. Last couple of days, I, I listened to his podcast for the 22nd, 23rd of July, and he brought up a couple of really interesting things. <clears throat> he showed a graph of New York and Sweden in terms of case and deaths 
and they look remarkably similar. And the theory is they're developing herd immunity in both those areas. And also Delhi, India is approaching herd immunity. Now, Bonson says, look, this could be wrong. He said, there could be a better theory out there and I'm open to it, but we don't have one yet. Mm -hmm. You know, because you see the drop-off in these cases, even the positivity rate, the new case rate, all of that. He said, this looks like, and you know, based on the serology studies they've been doing, he's, he thinks that uh, it could be approaching herd immunity. Well, that's the first thing that I've heard there. I, you know, I hope that's the case. Uh, I think that there would be a lot of dispute with that finding. And, and he admits it. He admits it. So there's, he does. that's good. Yep. It does, but but when you look at the <clears throat> the data from from Sweden and and uh, um, New York, it's really interesting how they mirror one another. And then, of course, there was an epidemiologist from India talking about the the Delhi issue and and how they you know determine that based on these uh, anybody antibody tests they've been giving. But e- either way, it's just really interesting. Uh, I mean, obviously, cases have flattened in New York, right? I mean, the positivity mm-hmm. rate. Uh, around the country is about 8%, 8.3%, as he reported, you know, the, the percentage of new tests coming out positive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And, and yeah. he also pointed out the, the five states with the fastest rising number of cases, Mississippi, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Alaska, Nevada, Louisiana, and Idaho. Hmm. And that's based on like a seven-day rolling average, right? <clears throat> Interesting. Well, l- let's let's shift this a little bit because we did we did say that this was COVID update and the economy. And w- what what episode of the Soul of Enterprise wouldn't be complete with also about talking about subscription? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh well. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, the, so this is this is a, a story from Forbes. Retail subscriptions thrive during COVID nineteen. Yeah. I saw that. And uh, Kaylee Moore is the the author of this. Cause some here's here's some quick operative facts on this. Of the one thousand shopper survey, one in five had purchased a subscription box to have more products on hand during the pandemic. Uh, these the survey also showed that the most popular subscription offer offerings were HelloFresh, BarkBox, Blue Apron, and Dollar Shave Club. I happen to also subscribe to Harry's, but it was slightly pre-COVID, so I'm not quite included in this. But here's here's the real pull quote for me. Retailers are taking note of this shifting behavior and data, which we gotta be careful of data, Data projects that by 2023, as many as 75% of direct-to-consumer brands will have a subscription-based offering. Yep. And Ed, I just listened to the <clears throat> subscribe podcast, um, you know, Teen Zoe, Zora, yep. and, and, and there's also one out of HBR. In fact, I think you tweeted about how, you know, they're alive. I don't know. It was, somebody tweeted it to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I did listen to that one too. And one of those, I can't remember which, one of them said Blue Apron has crashed. Oh, it's, it crashed? Well, not, I mean, it, not bankrupt, but it's just, it's dropped, its stock has taken a huge hit. It's just, mm. lo- and it's lost subscribers left and right. And, uh, I, I think it was the um, the HBR one who said this because the gal had written a book uh, called The Forever Transaction. And she was talking about the problem with Blue Apron was 
people were complaining there wasn't enough variety in the meals that they sent you. They started out, by the way, with a great offer. You know, you get so many mm-hmm. meals for free or whatever it was. So they, they got a lot of sign up, but right. they, they couldn't they couldn't keep up with the innovation and give people enough variety. So people were canceling left and right. Interesting. Okay. Well, yep. Look, going to be going to be failures in every business model for sure. Absolutely. But that's why I said the the operative stat on that was that was the whole seventy five percent direct to consumer brands subscription based offer. That that's it's just unbelievable. Right. The other thing, even if they're off by half, and it's and it's thirty, you know, thirty what what percent and and a little. And just on the economy, I mean, you know, I, I. I have faith that once we get past this psychologically, we are going to see more of a V shape mm-hmm. um, than, than, than a W, although a W is, you know, quite possible now with, with various states like mine, you know, locking back down mm-hmm. um, and, and the CBO and other um, economic forecasts say we're going to stay in double digit unemployment to the end of the year. Uh, uh, the unemployment bill obviously going to be expanded we're obviously going to get another, you know, COVID, whatever you want to call it, cocaine shot, what, you know, to the economy, <laughs> uh, whether that's going to be 1 trillion or 3 trillion, who knows, or something in between. But is there any doubt that politicians love to spend other people's money? So we're, you know, there's no doubt about that, but I'll tell you, this is just not sustainable. It, we, we've got to open this thing up and go in with our eyes open on the risk because this is just not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when do you suppose that we'll see, start to see signs of that? Because, and I think I've, we, this might've been the last show that you did, or it might've been a bonus episode that we, we talked about on Patreon where if, if we, um, if we don't start to see inflation, you and I both have to start to rethink what causes inflation. Yeah, well, you know, I've been thinking about that. And Deirdre made a great point when she was on with us. She does believe in the, the whole quantity theory of money. But, mm-hmm. she, but she added from a global perspective. Yeah. And that was really interesting. I, I Look, I don't know. I, I don't think this um, validates the whole new monetary theory. Right. But right. it does call into question the old quantitative theory of inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really good question, but I'll tell you one leading indicator for me about the, when are we going to start seeing the economy kind of come back to life is if the schools reopen and maybe we can talk a little bit about that because I, I don't see how parents can go back to work unless the kids get back in school. Yep. Yep. Well, let's talk about that after our break. I want to remind everyone that they can get a hold of Ron or me by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. And as I mentioned, the Patreon site out there, patreon.com slash TSOE. You can listen to bonus episodes as well as the show commercial free. That is without the great, great guy commercials. But right now we want to hear our great commercials, including the one from my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. 
These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask now back to the soul of enterprise welcome back everybody we're talking about the economy and covid ned we left off with schools and let's talk about them possibly reopening in los angeles and san diego they're only going to offer remote learning but when you look around to the rest of the world, and the and NPR on point did a really good show on this actually that that went to Sweden, Norway, Finland, um, even some South American countries, and and talked to uh, pediatricians about opening the school uh, schools, and they they all agreed that it should be done. Even the Economist, in its editorial, said the schools need to reopen, let them learn. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's just low risk to children. Studies suggest that under 18s are a third to half less likely to catch the disease. If they're under 10, they're a thousand times less likely to die than somebody between age 70 and 79. Um, they've got all sorts of studies on this from almost every EU country, even, even down to uh, nursery schools, but primary care, you know, primary schools, K through 12 and, and, and middle and high they're all open in these other countries, even Israel that had to shut down for a week or two reopened them. Uh, and they just don't seem to be a vector for transmission, including from kids to the teachers. And I know teachers are worried about this. The Florida teachers union has sued, uh, to stop schools from opening. I think we talked about this offline, but you know, obviously teachers don't want to work. Um, great that uh, I'm all for teachers making their own risk decisions, but you know what? You don't come to work. We're going to replace you. Well, but we want to we want to get paid and not go to work, Ron. I know, just like <laughs> Patco did when Reagan fired them all. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, I, I just this why the, that's why we shouldn't have public unions because you can't strike against the public. Even FDR said this. 
No, and that, and that's an interesting point. We can go go down a rabbit hole, and I had had so, something on on that this this week with regard to the public unions, both police and and teachers. But I, right. just to let you know what's going on here in Texas, and I'm I'm curious. First, first, Ron, do you know in California when do schools normally start? Is it are are they August or September? I believe it's in late late August. It used to be like you know right after uh, what is it Labor Day, right? Because that that was like the worst Monday of your life, right? Because you knew mm. the following day was the first day of school, but I think it's a little bit sooner. It varies mm-hmm. by district mm-hmm. too, as sure as I'm sure yours does. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, for the most part here in Texas, though, we go, we have gone back in in mid August, and it's it seems to be creeping earlier and earlier every time. This this year, schools are slated to go back August fourteenth, uh, I think. Um, mm. No, seventeenth, uh, seventeenth, uh, and. The what was I think real interesting is that they sent a survey around to us offering us the ability to pick for the first nine weeks. Our our year is divided up into four nine week quarters. They they, they call them I forget what they call them periods or something. It's it's but it's not called a quarter. And we had to commit. We had to commit one way or the other to whether we wanted to do online or in person learning. Could you pick and a combination? You could not. So okay. you had to you had to pick one or the other. And but and you were committed to that pick for the first nine weeks. And then you could make an adjustment. Yep. Okay. What what we decided as a family was both of both of our kids wanted wanted to go. So we checked the box on the whole, you know, go go to school first nine nine weeks. But then almost as soon as the the ink was dry on that electronic survey, what well, we got was a notice to say, okay, yes, great. That's still the case. However, the first three weeks, so through, through Labor Day are going to be online no matter what. Mm. Okay. I'm, I want to say that there's an 80% chance that that will turn into the first nine weeks will all be remote. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I think is going to happen in Texas. That, that, that's my, my guess. You know, I, I think the same thing is going on here up in Northern California. I'm not sure. I've been paying wild attention because I don't have kids, but it seems like a lot of the schools are going to be just remote. But when you look at some of these other countries, at France, Denmark, China, New Zealand, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're, they're letting the vulnerable teachers stay at home if they're aged or whatever. Uh, but they're, you know, they have reduced class sizes. Some of them have staggered schedules. Some of them put up plexiglass. Some of them, uh, you know, they're all doing social distancing, but most of them, and I found this really interesting, most of them do not require masks because they've just made a decision that, you know what, these kids, they're not going to be wearing, they're not going to wear the mask, they're not going to comply and just be easier to to take it off. Have have a a little bit of of, uh, experience with this. My my daughter's theater group has gotten back and they've been doing uh, some shows with with masks on and even some rehearsals. And there was a performance last weekend. And I got to tell you, the the issue is, is that I see the the kids touching their mask Mm -hmm. almost on a regular basis, making an adjustment. And this is older kids too. I'm not talking about, you know, four-year-olds. Sure. And the reality is, is if you're going to continue to touch the mask, that that's not going to make a big difference. No. I mean, there's still clearly some impact, but that's just what 
kids do. Especially if you got something on your face, you're going to be playing with it. Right. Right. Yeah. It, um, it seems to be the consensus in this show, especially from the K through 12, you know, doctors that you just, you're not going to get a kindergartner order to wear a mask. You're no, going to barely I mean, be able it, to get them to social <laughs> distance because, you know, when they see one another, they're just going to yeah. freak out. And, you know. Well, and that's another thing. How, how exactly does the social di- or the social distancing work with a five-year-old? I mean, exactly. You know, really? Even, Come even on. First, second, third, right? I mean, it would yeah. Be, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, yeah. and especially, well, my, my mom thinking a kid that's never been to school has no understanding of that and the same thing is true like how are you going to how are you going to do remote learning day one with a kindergartner i mean that <laughs> you know part of going to kindergarten is screaming for the first two weeks because you miss mom i mean that's like the deal but well, i don't hey, know I, I you know the, i know pediatrics here there's sixty-seven thousand of them that signed a letter saying open the schools you know mm-hmm. um, and these are people that have dedicated their life to the wellness and health of children um so They've the walked sign. that back a little bit. The pediatricians, did, did, people. did they? Yeah, a little bit. Yep. Hmm. Yep. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Well, on on the COVID and the economy, Ron, and and we've got a, three or four minutes left, so maybe we can finish on this. But th- th- this was one of the far more interesting stories that I I came across on this. And COVID COVID has also had one really interesting. Uh, impact on the economy and that is the diff- disappearance of coins mm, yes <laughs> yeah and what why the heck are we have a coin shortage and you have to think about it as an economist would think about it and, and first thing yes there has been a decrease in the the uh the the production of coins because the mint has been closed or it has has forced to slow production and that's had an impact but even more importantly it has to do with the fact that what we what we normally see happen in the economy is people go out and those those of us who spend cash i don't carry cash so this doesn't this does not affect me in any way they will spend their cash, get coins, they bring them home, they put them in a jar, and then there's some kind of cycle that they're on every so often to bring it to the coin star machine or whatever, dump the sucker in, and then we, that's how they get returned. Yeah. Well, since people aren't going to the, to the, to the store as often, and people are also have these restrictions, the coin star places aren't often, oftentimes the banks are, are, are refusing to do this, that Oftentimes what you're going to see is there's all of those coins are, are being hoarded, not intentionally hoarded, like we're trying to keep a, a miser holding on to our money, but they're being left at home. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm a great example of that. I got tons of jars full of <laughs> coins and, you know, quarters only. And yeah, just waiting to go into Coinstar somewhere to cash them all in. Yep. So there you go. So the uh, another another hidden impact. Well, Ron, as always, great to have you back. Really glad to that you're in the saddle with me again. But what do we got going on next week? Ed, we got an, uh, a letter from one of our listeners, an email from Byron, and he asked such a great question. I emailed him back, said we're going to do a whole show on this, and it's basically going to be value pricing one o versus value pricing what we call two point which is the subscription business model. And we're talk about the differences how they're both ethical and moral business models, but they're just completely different. So we're going to dedicate a whole show to the points that he raised in his email. Outstanding. I'll see you in 167 hours, my friend. All right. 
This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so that organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can see all 300 shows up there along with show notes for today. Also, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Maybe we'll do a whole show based on your email, too. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Have you become a member yet? 